It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. This is Faraz Siddiqui. I'm here with Zach Rizzuto. We're going to go over all of the trades that happened right before the trade deadline. That was an exciting one, man. We didn't expect... Well, I didn't expect that many trades to go down because usually when it comes to the NFL trade deadline, it doesn't get too crazy. It usually also, doesn't get too crazy. Yeah. yeah, it's like, you know, maybe one or two guys get moved and it's usually no big names, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but we got a couple of, you know, fantasy relevant trades that went down more than a couple, actually. So yeah. uh, let's get right into it, man. There's been a few uh, big ones. And the biggest one for me was Naheem Hines being yeah. traded to the Bills. Um, Naheem Hines, he's one of the best pass catchers in the NFL, right? And he's going to one of the league's best offenses now. And the Bills have been trying to get their guy for a while now, right? They they drafted Devin Singletary in the third round in 2019. They drafted Zach Moss in the third round in 2020. Uh, and then they specifically started to go after pass catching running backs right they started to get more pass heavy right and that's pretty much what they wanted to do um so they then they then tried to sign chase edmonds believe it or not if you remember last offseason when he was a free agent he ended up signing with miami apparently they were very close to signing a deal all right Mm -hmm. um they literally had jb jd mckissick locked in until mckissick changed his mind last minute uh in free agency himself and then yeah then they drafted james cook and all three of those guys were pass-catching specialists. And then they were in the running to get Christian McCaffrey. So what does all of this tell you about Devin Singletary? That he's not their answer in the receiving game, right? Right. And, you know, he if you look at Singletary's work this season, he's had more than 10 carries only three times. And uh, he's third in the NFL in routes run per game. And if you look at his efficiency – Right among those 19 running backs who had at least 25 targets this year, and his he has 0.98 yards per route run on the season, and that's tied for second to last. And mm-hmm. when you look at last year, he was last in yards per route run among qualified running backs. So you look at what Naheem Hines did, you know, over his whole career, he's been a very efficient pass catcher. Uh, this year, fifth among qualified running backs with 1.88 yards per route run, that's only behind Alvin Kamara. Antonio Gibson, who's a former wide receiver, Brees Hall, Christian McCaffrey, and Austin Eckler. Yeah. And last year, he was seventh in yards per run among qualified running backs last season, right? So, right. you know, it, it doesn't seem like James Cook is all the way ready based on this move. Like, they're in a Super Bowl window right now, right? They're trying to go all in and win this year. I'm not so worried about James Cook in, in terms of, like, dynasty. Um but I think in terms of a Super Bowl, Super Bowl window, I think that's that Heinz is going to help him do that. And my assumption is that he is going to be tonning, running a ton of routes for Josh Allen. And I think he could potentially see five to seven targets a game, you know, in addition to maybe a few carries on the ground. And I think, yeah, I think he's going to end up as a potential PPR RB two with upside on the Bills. I think this is an awesome move. You know, the Bills clearly have an agenda and they know what they want to do on offense. You know, Devin Singletary, he was getting it done, but that was just, you know, they had him there. So that's who they were using. But with Naeem Hines now, you know, he is the pass catching specialist that they're wanting. This wasn't a run first offense ever, and it's going not going to be that way the rest of the season. They didn't add Naeem Hines to run the ball. They added him to catch the ball. I, I like this move a lot too, maybe even a little bit more than you. I think that he's going to take a lot of work from Devin Singletary. I, I don't know how much he's going to see the field, and that's why I was a little bit reluctant. I know we talked about on this podcast Devin Singletary maybe being a buy. 
And I didn't necessarily anticipate the Bills going out and making this type of move, but this only hurts Devin Singletary's stock. I, I, I don't see how Devin Singletary is going to get a majority of the snaps. Um, I think they're going to run a lot more pass plays and run plays, especially with Naeem Hines in the mix now. Um, I think that he has really good upside. You know, I, I don't see how. Uh, I think that he might be a solid RB2 upside, you know, and his floor should be safe because of his receiving work, you know, much more so than Devin Singletary, who's probably going to be getting, you know, early down work. Maybe if he can hold on to that, it's still just going to be runs, majority of runs for him. Um, they've been telegraphing. It seemed obvious, you know, especially like you said, with the guys they were pursuing between Antonio Gibson and J.D. McKissick and other guys that they wanted to get a pass catching back. They finally have it. And I think they're going to use him. And they got a good one. You know, they yeah. got a better one you know, than the ones that they're pursuing, you know, like yeah. J.D. McKissick, well, you know, J.D. McKissick's up there, I think, with Naheem Hines. Like, these two guys over the past several years, you know, they've been, you know, two of the best pass-catching specialists in the NFL out of the backfield. So either of those guys, I think, would have been a big part of their game plan. They wanted James Cook to be that guy, but it just doesn't seem like he's ready. Uh, and that's yeah. fine. But listen, the Bills are about that business right now. They're trying to win a Super Bowl, and they're trying to compete with the Chiefs, and they're trying to win that win that big game in the playoffs and they're trying to do whatever they can to do it. And they're just trying to make their offense unstoppable. And no. it'll be interesting to see where Naheem Hines falls in the pecking order of target share, right? Stefan Diggs is all the way up to, up at the top, but who's next, right? right. Like there is a, a huge gap and a huge Delta between Stefan Diggs and Gabriel Davis uh, when it comes to target share. So we'll see where Naheem Hines falls in that range. Now, as far as Devin Singletary goes, it obviously hurts him, right? Like he's running so many routes. A lot of that's going to go to Naheem Hines. And the early down back on this offense is not going to be worth that much uh, because there aren't a lot of goal line carries to go around for running backs on this offense. And Naheem Hines might take a few of those carries away on early downs as well. I don't see him, you know, just, you know, because you got to switch it up a little bit, right? Like I don't see yeah. Naheem Hines just, you know, running out of the backfield and catching passes. I don't think he's going to have zero carries and like seven targets a game, right? It's going to be, mm -hmm. you know, two, three at least, at the very least. So, um, this is going to be interesting to watch moving forward. And this offense just got a little bit better. Yeah. Um, I, I don't really see a world where, you know, Devin Singletary doesn't lose 90% of his receiving work, especially with Naeem Hines there. You know, I, I don't see a world where he holds on to more than, you know, a, a catch or two a game. I don't think he's going to get that many looks. Naeem Hines was holding back Jonathan Taylor. Right. right? And, and let's talk about the impact on the Colts now. Like if we're going to, going to assume that Jonathan Taylor is healthy, I think he ends up eventually having a three-down role. And I've seen a lot of people saying that Deion Jackson is going to fill Naheem Hines' role, and I, I really doubt that. Uh, you know, it takes right. a special pass catcher like Naheem Hines to take Jonathan Taylor off the field. And that was the reason Hines was on the field at times over Jonathan Taylor. It's because of the fact that he's legit in the receiving game, one of the best in the NFL. Um, and, you know, Deion Jackson filled in admirably for JT this season, but that doesn't make him Naheem Hines' replacement, you know, in, in a rotation. Um, yeah. You know, JT was actually, he was already the primary third down back. He just wasn't mm -hmm. playing the two-minute offense. Like, that was all Naheem Hines this year. So, I don't think that, you know, Deion Jackson's going to come in and play that two-minute offense. I think it's going to be Jonathan Taylor, assuming that he's healthy. You know, uh, yeah. you know they did sign um, Jordan Wilkins. Like, like, if you remember a couple of years ago, Jordan Wilkins was in this uh it, part of a rotation, like early mm -hmm. in Jonathan Taylor's career, um, but he kind of fell off the map. But they did sign him to to sign him to their practice squad. Um, so now they have Zach Moss, who came in on the in a trade as in that trade as well. Uh, Zach Moss. They have Jordan Wilkins on the practice squad. They have, and they have Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, and Deion Jackson. It's that's it. only good. This move is only good news for Jonathan Taylor. I think you know. I think at the beginning of the season, you know, we heard all the reports. You know, oh, we don't want to, you know, overuse Jonathan Taylor. Now you've just removed Naeem Hines from the mix, and it's pretty clear that your offense isn't going anywhere without Jonathan Taylor. I think now they kind of have to give Jonathan Taylor that workload. You know, your quarterbacks, the passing game isn't you know helping you out. You know, the running game hasn't been perfect, and we know Jonathan Taylor's been a little bit banged up, but he's going to come back healthy. I think he's going to get majority of the workload again, and he should. Like I said. I think I'm not going to bet against Jonathan Taylor. I think he's going to come back and look a lot more like Jonathan Taylor than he has in the past few weeks, especially if he can pick up just a little bit of the passing work. You know, obviously he had a couple, he had a couple games where he had some targets coming his way, but it, it hasn't been consistent. I think it'll be a little bit more consistent, his workload now, a little bit more diverse, and it'll help him in the long run to be, you know, have a higher floor, I think, than he's had. He's, I think his upside is still attainable. He's just still a few weeks out from that, I think. I think he will get there, though. But in the meantime, this receiving work that 
is going to be left by Naeem Hines should be split. Um, some of it's going, the most of it's going to go, I think, to Jonathan Taylor, and that's going to help him. Um, better weeks are ahead because of this, um, even more so than before because Naeem Hines was moved. Yeah, as of right now, uh, it's noon on the East Coast, so we haven't got any word on the Colts' practice status just yet. But we'll see, you know, if, if Jonathan Taylor's practicing today. He might not, you know, because he did right. twist his ankle again on Sunday. So he might not, you know, the reports later in the week, probably a little bit more, you know, accurate and more uh, predictive of whether he's going to play this weekend. Uh, but just make sure that, you know, if if um, Deion Jackson's available on your waiver wire, whether you have JT or not, probably a good idea to pick him up right now. Yeah. Okay. We had TJ Hawkinson uh, traded to the Vikings, who basically have lost Irv Smith for the season. Uh, this is an upgrade for the Vikings offense, for TJ Hawkinson as well. Uh, Kirk Cousins gets an upgrade too. And, you know, if you look at like how he's performed and how Irv Smith has performed, it's kind of night and day. Um, you know, uh, like when you look at, when you, when you kind of look deep, deep in this, uh, you know, among 11. Let's see, there's 17 tight ends this year with at least 30 targets. And Irv Smith was dead last in yards per route run. Uh, TJ Hawkinson was fifth in yards per route run, and that was only behind Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, David Njoku, and Dallas Goddard. Obviously, that big game played a huge role um, in, in, that, in those numbers, but you got to count it all, right? Yeah. Um, and if Irv Smith was second on the team, and he was, by the way, in targets per route run ahead of Adam Thielen, I think Hawkins. I think Hawkinson is going to earn some targets on this team and be a solid tight end, tight end one for you for fantasy. Yeah, I don't think there's a world where he isn't a tight end one. I'm not so sure. I call him, you know, an elite tight end one. I'm not going to put him right into that top five, top six, like you say, where you can start them every week and they're reliable and you can just you know set it and forget it. I'm not necessarily at that point with T.J. Hawkinson in Minnesota yet. I do think Adam Thielen is going to stick around and be a pain. You know, that's just the kind of way he's been, especially for Justin Jefferson owners. Those quiet weeks, you can kind of attribute some of that to Adam Thielen. Um, but I, I, it's a really good addition on paper. Um, I'm curbing my enthusiasm just a little bit. It is exciting. I think TJ Hawkinson's in a better spot than he was in Detroit. Not only is it a better offense, but he should have a, a bigger role. I think he's going to be able to get more targets because Kirk Cousins is just a little bit better than, than Jared Goff, I think. So I, yeah. I think that, I think that um, you know, Obviously, he's going to be much better than he was in Detroit. Um, but I want, I want to see how he does. You know, I want to see how he gets used this first week coming back. I think that there's a lot to be excited about. But like I said, I'm just kind of tempering expectations for this week. It might take a week or two before we see him kind of get, you know, into the actual flow of the offense. It is already Wednesday. He does have – he should get a full week of practice. But, um, you know, that remains to be seen. So I'm just curving my enthusiasm a little bit, but it's a good move overall. Um, bottom line is TJ Hawkinson's stock just went up. Yeah. Exactly. Let's see. Uh, now, as far as the Lions go, like on that side of the ball, like I don't really, I don't know if it helps anyone specifically. Um, Amaro St. Brown, you know, he's going to continue to get targeted at an elite rate. Uh, yeah. You know, maybe Josh Reynolds can get some extra targets going his way. That would be ideal. You know, to ha to have the targets just like more concentrated between like Amon Ra and Josh Reynolds. But we'll see, right? Um, the next tight ends to step up are Brock Wright, followed by James Mitchell. Mitchell's more intriguing. To me, uh, but Brock Wright is likely, you know, to get the first crack at the job to replace Hawkinson. Like for fantasy right now, I'm not really interested in either of them, but we should keep an eye on what the route participation looks like this in this first week without Hawkinson. Are they sharing the role or is one guy getting it all? Right. I don't think the lines are going to be, you know, any different as far as are they going to throw more or run more because of this. Um, even though TJ Hawkinson had that one big day, you know, they have plenty of weapons that they can rely on in the passing game. I don't think it's going to change the way they play offense too much. I'm not picking up any of the Lions tight ends and saying, all right, you know, maybe you can start them and have a little value. We've seen how tight ends are this year. I don't think there's anything to be excited about too much. You might add one prospectively if you're in a really bad spot at tight end, but otherwise, you know, I'm just keeping my hands off of it. The offense remains, you know, just about the same as it was prior to the trade. All right, let's let's take a look at this trade from the 49ers to the Dolphins. Jeff Wilson was traded to Miami after the Dolphins traded away Chase Edmonds to the Broncos in the Bradley Chubb deal. It's funny, like the Bradley Chubb got traded. That was the big name. And then if you look in the trade details, that you see that Chase Edmonds was dealt in that deal. Um, but, but let's start with Jeff Wilson real quick. Edmonds was completely you know, phased out of the Dolphins' offense, right? He played only 36% yeah. of the Dolphins' snaps, you know, after coming in as a big money free agent. Um, but, you know, okay, we can hit on Edmonds. But 
you know, I think the problem with Edmonds in Miami was that he didn't fit the outside zone run scheme, right? And yeah. Mike McDaniel thought he could add that to his game, given how explosive he was. You know, if he can figure out that one cut burst and run through, and you know, run through that line, he will he'll be able to like pick up some big plays. But it just didn't work out, um, you know. And because if, for me personally, like if I if I'm thinking like, all right, if this guy can figure that one cut right one cut and run bouncing off tackle you think about a guy like Edmonds that's kind of intriguing right yeah. but apparently those those zone those outside zone running uh, run scheme like it just didn't happen for him um when Edmonds was in Arizona he was playing on an inside zone run scheme offense and he said himself this offseason that he was getting used to that and it's just different um and it looks like he never got used to it so yeah and they just shipped him off because there there was no hope uh, Jeff Wilson, on the other hand, he's an outside zone guy, right? And obviously had success with that under Mike McDaniel and Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco. And, you know, we'll see if Mike McDaniel always wanted this to be a committee between Chase Edmonds and Mostert, right? Yeah. Like now that he has someone who knows his offense so well, maybe he does just that. And, and there's no way to know right now, but you have to think given Mostert's injury history, given his age, that it might be a good idea for them, right? Like maybe not for fantasy because that wouldn't be good, but for real life purposes, it might be a good idea to lessen the workload a little bit on on Raheem Mostert. Yeah, and, and I'll hit on the Dolphins, you know, backfield soon when we talk about buys and sells this week. But with Jeff Wilson coming and Chase Edmonds being shipped out, I think that you know the familiar face in Jeff Wilson is going to work a lot better just because they have that history and that connection between Raheem Mostert and Mike McDaniel. Um, Chase Edmonds, you know, we we were a little bit higher on him than most. You know, coming into the season, we thought if he could integrate into that offense well, he could be the receiving back, he'd have a little upside. But that hasn't worked at all. You know, he's been a non-factor since, I think, week two. You know, so I'm not surprised to see Chase Edmonds moved. I, I think it's only good news for Chase Edmonds. But with Jeff Wilson coming in and going to the Dolphins, I think that he's just going to be a thorn in the side of Raheem Mostert. Uh, I think this is going to look more like um, a committee at, at backfield, in the backfield. I, it's a passing offense, too. So it's already tough to trust a running back we saw it last week you know with Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill both going over 30 points and then Jeff not Jeff Wilson Raheem, Raheem Moster had seven points you know it was a relatively quiet outing I'm expecting to see more of that so adding a new running back they replaced Ch Chase Edmonds as soon as they got rid of Jeff Wilson they're clearly not ready to just have Raheem Moster take the keys and lead the backfield they want to have more than one guy involved so for me you know, it's just the exact same situation for Mostert with just a little bit more risk because Jeff Wilson, you know, is familiar in the offense. I think he could be a contributor much better than um, Chase Evans was. So do you think it's possible to still have a chance to sell Raheem Mostert? Or do you yeah. think do you think that Jeff Wilson coming in is, is, is just a key indicator where everyone's just like, oh, man, like he has no value anymore. You think there's still a window? It's it's not a no value. I think there's definitely a window, and he is one of my cells for today um, with Raheem Mostert. I, I think that, you know, Jeff Wilson coming in on paper, you know, if you leave out the fact that he's familiar in the system, and some people might not, you know, immediately jump to that conclusion. If you leave out that fact, it looks like just a one-for-one, one, same thing. You know, you get rid of a running back, you add a running back. Neither of them, like, own their backfield when they're on their own respective teams, you know, with Jeff Wilson in San Francisco. And coming in, Chase Edmonds didn't really have the – you know, stranglehold on the backfield unless injuries were a, a thing. So I think that it looks exactly the same on paper at this point, and that's why I'm saying get your hands off Raheem Mostert right now. But I, we'll talk okay. about it later. Okay. Well, you can talk about it now. If you have more points to make about Jet, Raheem Mostert, and more, if you can sell us on selling him a little bit more, man, I'll take it. Yeah, I, I would sell him. You know, I'm saying that, they, like I said, they clearly aren't interested in the backfield revolving around one player. They immediately replace Edmonds. That's one thing. They're thrifting in San Francisco, so it's hard to imagine a world where they both don't get touches. Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert, like I said, you know, I think that they're going to have uh, Mike McDaniel's going to get them both involved because they got that little connection. You know, Chase right. Edmonds. They brought Chase Evans in, like you said. I think they had high hopes for what he could be in Mike McDaniel's offense, but they figured out that that really wasn't working, A, in, like a few a few weeks in, that he wasn't really fitting the offense. That's why we saw Raheem Mostert get more touches. And then the same thing, you know, with, like I said, the passing offense. Why would they, you know, start running the ball and become a run-heavy team? They're not going to do that. Um, if they're throwing the ball, you know, Raheem Mostert isn't really the guy to be doing that. I think Jeff Wilson's a step down in terms of receiving ability from Chase Edmonds. I think they have two similar running backs now, so I'm, I'm not sure how much we're going to see uh, the pass game in the backfield. But, um, 
you know, that's just bad news for both of them. If they're on the ground in the ground game, I don't see any of these guys eclipsing, you know, 70 yards on a regular basis. I think we're looking at more like 30, 40 yards complimentary to um, help just complement the passing offense. That's going to be driving the offense. That makes sense. Now, when you look at Chase Edmonds fit in Denver, the Broncos are also an outside zone run scheme. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm not sure if it's going to work out there either. However, he is apparently being brought in as the passing down guy. Okay. And, you know, yeah. the one thing that Edmonds does have an upper hand on is the fact that a couple things, right? Melvin Gordon was in the doghouse earlier this year. Mm-hmm. Okay. The, you know, his head coach was talking about, oh, he's going to start. And then Latavius Murray ends up getting more carries than him that game. Right. Mm-hmm. And Latavius Murray's Latavius Murray, right? Like, not a whole lot of competition here for Chase Edmonds. Okay. You know, we could see him enter the at that rotation. You know, we could on early downs even. We could see him play over Latavius Murray at some point with Melvin Gordon being the primary one A like bigger back. It's possible. We might see a a, a Melvin Gordon Chase Edmonds one A one B situation at some point. Yeah. The reason why I think Edmonds is a little bit of a winner because like the dude he had zero fantasy value. He had like he was done. Like this yeah. year, like it was a lost year for him if he stayed in Miami. Like if Raheem Mostert stayed healthy the entire year, who knows if Chase Edmonds would have been the guy even if Mostert went down, to be honest, mm-hmm. because they were trying other backs out, right? And, uh, you know, uh, they, they they kind of knew that like, hey, Mostert ends up getting hurt. We can't have Edmonds as our lead guy. It, it, would, it wasn't going to work out, right? So right. we'll see what happens in Denver. It, it's not a scheme fit, but these two other running backs ahead of him, they have their own issues. And Edmonds could potentially, you know, overcome like his own issues because of the other running backs they have on their roster. It looks crowded, but it might not be as bad as it looks. Right. And you say about it looking crowded, it's true. But what Chase Edmonds has working for him is he's bringing something they don't already have to the offense, in the offense, to the offense. And that's the pass catching ability. You know, Latavius Murray is not a pass catcher. Melvin Gordon, you know, he was a pass catcher back in the day, but he's just been struggling recently. And it doesn't seem like they're too you know, enamored with the idea of keeping him as, you know, a clear-cut RB1, giving him the majority of the carries. They've been mixing it up a little bit. Chase Evans, you know, he adds a dimension to the offense. Like I said, the passing game, it'll it'll almost give Russell Wilson a safety valve, you know, maybe that he didn't have before. And I think he's more the most explosive of the three right now that we're talking about. The big three, it's going to be yep. Melvin Gordon, Latavius Murray, and Chase Edmonds. He's the most explosive of those three in the backfield. So if Russell Wilson's going to be checking it down, might as well get it to somebody who's going to be able to run after the catch. I True. think this is a good add for the Bengals, Broncos offense. And I think that, you know, he could carve himself out a nice role to the point where he might have it might not be this the role that we want him to have in Miami where he gets like 10 carries and like some targets in the game. But he might be um, a safe enough floor player because of the receiving workload that I think he's going to get. The offense has not been that good throwing downfield and Chase Evans could be the beneficiary just catching passes out of the backfield. It is possible for sure. Um, now and then, you know, with Jeff Wilson getting traded, you know, Elijah Mitchell remains the clear handcuff to Christian McCaffrey. When he's healthy, <laughs> when he becomes healthy, right? Right. I definitely want to because you know you never know if Christian McCaffrey were to ever get hurt. You never know. Elijah Mitchell might have been sharing the load a little bit with Jeff Wilson, given how well he's been playing this year. Right. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. All right, let's move on to Chase Claypool, uh, who was traded to the Bears, giving Justin Fields another weapon to work with. Now, you have to upgrade Fields, right? Yeah. Because he literally had no one to throw to outside of Darnell Mooney. I don't think Claypool was worth a second-round pick. No. But I'll say this. But I think it's worth 
giving feels, you know, more to work with, right? Uh, whoever it is, uh, you know, just to help him in his progression that we're seeing right now, right? He's improving, right? And at this yeah. moment, to give him another weapon right now, in this moment that Justin Fields is going through, I think it's a good move. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. I think he can continue to improve right now. And you can, you can only go so far and do so much without a couple of solid weapons, right? His ceiling was yeah. capped, right? And I, I hope, you know, as a result of this trade, the Bears start to let Fields drop back more. Over the past five weeks, he's averaging less than 23 pass attempts per game. Over those games, he's dropped back 163 times, which is 16th in the NFL. So that's not bad, right? Yeah. And, and that might even go up a little bit more with this news. Um, now, as far as Claypool's value, even with a big, you know, like even with a little bit of an uptick in overall pass attempts, like I don't think there will be enough to go around for him and Mooney. And mm-hmm. I don't know if this is a hot take or not. I have no idea what, what people generally think about this, but like I prefer Mooney uh, because he's yeah. shown the ability to be efficient. He's shown the ability to to command a large target share, command a large air yard share. He's a good wide receiver, and I just think he's a better wide receiver than Chase Claypool. Um, you know, he's been able to put up production in like a terrible pass environment, right? Passing yeah. environment, right? This season and, and even last season, to be honest with you. And, you know, Claypool has not shown that ability himself. Right. Um, but, you know, I do find it, I do find it kind of funny though, like just to kind of bring this up that Chase Claypool did in fact announce his replacement at the draft. Yeah, that is when, funny. He, when he went up to the podium, <laughs> you know, and then, and announced that the Steelers were drafting George Pickens, and everyone at yeah. that moment was like, "This dude is literally announcing his, his replacement. replacement," and that's yeah. literally what happened. <laughs> but yeah, it's just how it goes. <laughs> his his replacement, like this trade, is great for him. It's great for George Pickens. It's mm-hmm. great for Deontay Johnson. It's great for Pat Frymuth, uh, because Claypool, you know, he was getting a decent number of targets per game. You know, five, yeah. six, seven, eight targets a game, and like, you know, those targets need to go somewhere. And now it's probably going to be a lot more tightly distributed between those three guys. So the Steelers receivers, I think, are, you know, getting a little nice win here with Claypool moving on to the Chicago. But what are your over, overall... That was a lot. Sorry, yeah. Zach. But, like, no, you're good. What, what are your overall thoughts of this trade? I think Chase Claypool has a chance to be a lot better than, you know, you just described. You know, I'm not saying that he's going to be a wide receiver one. Or I'm not saying he's going to be a high-end wide receiver two or even a wide receiver two. But I think he has a chance to be a lot better on the Bears than he was on the Steelers. He was competing with some very good receivers. You know, George Pickens is nothing to sneeze at. It's clear that Kenny Pickett, you know, had a connection with him. And we know Deontay Johnson, you know, he commands targets. And he's a good receiver. You know, he gets that target share every week, regardless of whether they're winning or they're losing. That's just how Deontay Johnson is. And Pat Frymuth was, you know, having a quiet breakout season. Obviously, you can call it a breakout because the tight end landscape is just so barren. But, you know, he was also showing a little connection, too, with Kenny Pickett. And the quarterback situation was bad in uh, Pittsburgh. He goes to a still a questionable, you know, at this point, quarterback situation in Chicago. But with Justin Fields, it seems like he's more on the upswing. And there's not that much competition when you look at it. It might look like a crowded room. You know, you see the guys that he's been throwing to, Dante Pettis and um, Equinemius St. Brown. And we know that Darnell Mooney's there. Cole Komet just scored his first touchdown since 2020 last week. That's not going to keep Ooh. happening, so you don't have to worry about him. So, But when you look at it, I think Chase Claypool is better than everybody except maybe, like you said, Darnell Mooney. So this is a nice wide receiver two addition to the Bears offense. He's he's a big receiver, which the Bears don't really have, even though Equinemius St. Brown, he's a little bit taller than most of them. But it adds a new dimension to this passing attack, I think, that the Bears aren't haven't had. He's a solid overall receiver, so just a new target and a new toy for Justin Fields to play with at a good time, too, with him coming off his best offensive performance. I think this could be a nice addition. You know, he could quietly have some good games and provide some value as a wide receiver three and a really nice flex play, I think, on a week-to-week basis. So I actually like this move, even though um, the Steelers, you know, may have received a little bit more than they should have in return. They probably um, – how do you think that phone call went when they were talking about facilitating this trade? They're like, yeah, he's a talented receiver. Our quarterback situation sucks, though. He'd probably be good with Justin Fields. You know, he's like, <laughs> just sell him on that. Remember that four-touch – was it a four-touchdown game? Remember that four-touchdown game in 2020? <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure Mike Tomlin like he probably muted the phone and looked at everybody in the room and said they're offering us a second round pick yeah and then we're <laughs> just, just like, take it take it take it take it right you unmuted all right you got yourself a deal yeah. it, it's, it's close it's close he goes 
it's close. You know, we, we think he might be worth more, but we will take it. We'll do you a solid here because neither of us are going anywhere this year. I but. do the same thing in fantasy football trades. Like, it, like when I offer a trade and it gets accepted, and I I have a feeling that I really like won that deal. Yeah, I I, I still like even though after they accepted it, like I try to make them like reassured, and I'll yeah. like send send over a text or something. I'll be like, hey, great deal, man, great deal. You know. You know, it's 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 just one of those things. I need a receiver. So you my know. favorite line, my favorite line. <laughs> hopefully this works out. <laughs> hopefully it works out. <laughs> hopefully it works out. Hopefully this score. Yeah. yeah. Um. <laughs> all right. So uh, moving on to, I wanted to talk. Okay. So, so so you like Claypool a little bit more. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's good. I I like it more for the offense and Justin Fields and you know this offense to continue to move. But yeah. But uh, but okay. I, 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 I can so. see that. I mean, Claypool has had his games. You know, he could potentially have a few games, you know, th- this year, you know, on that offense, maybe being a more of a fo- focal point, right, yeah. for that offense. Um, and, and we'll see. Like, I, I would bet on Mooney to maintain target share and air yard share and all of that. Yep. Um, but it's possible that Clay – I wonder where Claypool plays. Uh, um, you know, he was playing the slot for the Steelers. Like, I, I would assume he'll play on the outside. But I maybe think they go to 11 – yeah, maybe he'll go 11 personnel and play out of the slot. But we'll see. We'll see. He hasn't had so much success on the outside, but we'll see what they choose to do in Chicago moving forward. I wanted to touch on Calvin really real quick. You know, he was traded to the Jaguars, obviously still suspended for the rest of this year. Uh, and this move definitely helps Trevor Lawrence, right? Uh, next year with Calvin Ridley, yeah. Christian Kirk, Zay, Zay Jones, right? He'll have a solid wide receiver core, assuming all those guys are still there, assuming those guys are healthy, and assuming Calvin really gets reinstated because he still has to wait on that and, you know, get Roger Goodell's blessing. But uh nice little upgrade for Lawrence in Dynasty. Yeah, in Dynasty, I think that's definitely how it's going to go. Um, you know, Calvin Ridley suspended. It's hard to get excited because he's not going to be playing, you know, at all this season. It's like, <laughs> wow, they added a player that we're not going to be able to see till next year. That doesn't help anybody. But it doesn't look right. like the Jaguars are going anywhere. You know, they're still in, it looks like, a rebuild. Trevor Lawrence, you know, people give him crap for not being as good as advertised. You know, he was a really good prospect coming out of college. Um, he's had some rough teams to work with. And they are getting better, but it's just the way it's going. I, I We still got to give him a chance, I think, that next season. With Calvin Ridley, things are going to be a lot easier um, for Trevor Lawrence moving forward. That's the biggest upgrade. I'm not sure what Calvin Ridley's going to do. We haven't seen him. He's been out of football for a long time, almost like Michael Thomas-esque amount of time. So we'll see how he looks coming back in an offense that isn't really that good. But unless we see major steps taken, you know, I, I'm, I'm not going to be able to project anything for next season. But this could be yeah. good. I think Calvin Ridley, I don't know, his fantasy value at this point, I, I think it's about the same. You know, he, he was going to be competing with Garrett Wilson and Kyle Pitts if he did come back and play for the Falcons, you know, next year. But I'd say the offense, even though he is probably the clear number one there, I'm not sure his value moves up that much higher than it was. I think it might just stick around right where it was. Yeah, when he got suspended, I was saying just to sell him. Like, if you can get like a 2023 second, go ahead. Yeah. Sell him. If you, if mm-hmm. you get anything less than that, like, don't. But a 2023 second, I was willing to sell him for. I still am, by the yeah. way. Um, Josh, Joshua Sanders put this in the chat, uh, in the live on YouTube. I overpaid for Justin Fields in, in this, in Superflex, LOL, uh, all caps, LOL, yeah. sent him Derek Carr and Tyler Boyd. Josh, this is not an overpay. No, it's not. Oh my it's God. It's not an overpay. No. I would Especially after the week that we just happened. saw Derek Carr have. No, not an overpay. <laughs> Derek, Look, Derek Carr. What did we, we say? What did we say in our rankings episode, the quarterback's rankings episode? I literally said, I'm ranking Derek Carr high this week. You know what that means. When all the expectations are on Derek Carr to perform a certain week, what does he do? He shits the bed. Yeah. Every mm-hmm. single time <laughs> he does not disappoint. So here's what we're going to do. Good matchups, we're not going to rank him high anymore. Mm-hmm. Mediocre, to like bad, mediocre to bad matchups, we'll put him like where he belongs, which is like QB 15. Yeah. No matter what. Okay. Right. Good. Oh, I'm glad we're as I said, we called him, at least I called him sidecar, and he's not doing that job. He's not helping Devontae <laughs> Adams. He's not doing his job. It wasn't a good week. He has no rushing upside. Justin Fields is rushing. You know, we're talking about him as a potential QB one now. That's easily in Superflex. The value that you just got there, you just upgraded for pretty much nothing. Okay, Tyler Boyd, he, chances are he was on your bench, you know, or maybe you're starting him at Flex this week because Jamar Chase was out. But that that's a really good deal for me. Seriously, man. This is usually our buy sell episode. So yeah. we're going to give you a little bonus. 
Let's let's throw a few buys and sells. This is really the trade deadline show, but you know what? We can't help it. Let's go through yeah. some buy sells. All right. One of my main ones that I wanted to talk about was Brandon Ayuk. Okay. Mm. I, I love Ayuk as a talent. So this one's a little tough for me. Right. I I think him on another offense, there's no way I'd be selling. But there's an embarrassment of riches on the 49ers right now, especially in the pass game, right? They just got Christian McCaffrey, who will be heavily involved in the receiving game, obviously. Debo Samuel, they have George Kittle. Ayuk had a big game this past week, and Debo didn't play. Jawan Jennings didn't play. And Jawan Jennings, you know, he's not getting a ton of targets, but 10% target share in the season. Okay, so it's something. Um, But when Debo comes back, and this team is at full strength, there might not be enough targets to go around. And I'm just not sure that double-digit target upside is there, like what Ayuk has had, you know, in, in terms of what his, you know, uh, what that ceiling was for him. I don't think he's it's going to be there. He's had three straight big fantasy weeks, and they're going yeah. into the buy, you know. So I'd sell – I mean, they're in a buy right now. So I'd sell to someone who is willing to keep him, right, like during this buy. There are some good matchups on paper in those games after the buy. Okay, so I would use that in my argument. Right. It's like, oh, like, hey, like, I can't use him right now. I need to win this week here. Like, I know you can afford, like, pump up the ego a little bit. Yeah. I know you can afford to have Ayuk on the bench this week because you have such a good team. You're going to get the win this week anyway because you have mm-hmm. such a good team. You can afford it. I can't. I can't afford it. Right. You yeah. got to say it like that. All right. You got to like, you got to like put, you got to put some oomph into it. Okay. Uh, and then you look at those yeah. games after the bye, right? Uh, Chargers, Cardinals, Saints. Like those are teams that like, you look at that, like, oh, like receivers can do good against those teams. But here's the thing. The 49ers defense, they're relatively healthy again. Right. And those three teams that I just mentioned, they, they might be able to struggle on offense against the 49ers. And, yeah. uh, you know, we can easily see the 49ers defense and the 49ers offense, like kind of controlling the ball, like on in the run game with Christian McCaffrey. And that target share will be the overall targets will be lower. The distribution might be a little bit wider between the four guys that I mentioned. And it might just limit Ayuk from hitting the totals that he's been hitting lately. So that's why I'm looking to sell Ayuk right now at where I think the height of his ceiling is. Yeah, I think this is a really good analysis, even though, you know, I, I've liked what I've seen from Brandon Ayuk, definitely. And Me too, he looks- man. The talent, you know, it looks like he's, you know, finally breaking out and having that role. But like you said, the number of weapons in this offense is ridiculous. And on a team with a defense as good as the Niners, you know, are they really going to be in game scripts where they're going to have to throw the ball? If they're throwing the ball, chances are it's going to be Christian McCaffrey out of the backfield or, you know, nice safe routes with George Kill or, you know, Debo Samuel will be doing, you know, running and passing work and receiving work. It's not Brandon Ayuk. It's just the fact that they have all these players that they want to get involved and can get involved. You know, it's going to be a super efficient offense, but without the workload, you know, he's not going to see, like like you said, 11 targets, 11 targets, six targets back to back. I don't think we're going to see any more strings like that again the rest of the season. Um, so I think it is time to sub Brandon Ayuk high. And at this point, you know, his value is actually very high. I think very high the way the way I, it looks because like you said about the upcoming schedule and what he's done the past few weeks not only has he got a bunch of targets but he's catching those targets and he's turning them into touchdowns three touchdowns in the last three weeks you know he's doing it he's doing his thing so he looks like a really solid wide receiver too right now you know you could say he has wide receiver one upside on a weekly basis you know he could he he doesn't have to be a side piece you know anymore in a trade you know he could be the main main course I think depending yeah. on who you're targeting I, I would go after a guy like maybe DK Metcalf with him, something like that, or maybe even an Amari Cooper. Ooh, and, you like know, Amari Cooper is quietly really good. I like that. I like that a lot. And, and you can see uh, Amari Cooper's value going up a little bit at some point. Um, I like that a lot. Now, you mentioned earlier that you had Raheem Mostert as a sell, and there's still a sell window. But who are you yes. looking to buy this week? I'm looking to buy DeAndre Swift. And I know he didn't look too fantastic coming back off of that injury, you know. Dan Campbell did say that he's not necessarily 100% yet. And I think he quoted him. He said, they quoted him. He said he said um, they gave him one too many carries or something like that. I don't know how that looked. He got five carries. But um, the the work wasn't what we wanted it to be coming back from an injury. We figured he would hopefully be close to 100%, you know, at this point, especially after missing all the time that he did. And he still isn't. And that's not really encouraging news to hear from the coach that he could still be a week or two out from being 100% and getting that full workload. I'm buying that, you know, right now, especially if you're a DeAndre Swift owner and he has missed, has it been five weeks for you? 
And he comes back, he puts up 14 points. Okay, he scores a touchdown, but he only gets five carries. And then the coach comes out and says he's not 100% and they gave him too much work. Like, how happy are you going to be with that? You're going to be really disenchanted with your running back at that point. He still did lead the team in snap share despite not being 100%, 33 snaps, 55% share. And he scored. So that's encouraging to show that the talent is still there. It's not that he's not, he's not, he's not losing a step because of this injury. It's just he has to come back from it. The price is really low. He left fantasy managers pretty much out to dry this past five or six weeks. Um, if anybody drafted him, they're going to say, all right, there's too much inconsistency here. Let, let's offload him. I think you could get him for a really good price at this point. And as he gets healthier, he's going to continue to take over his backfield. Now, I was really tempted to put Jamal Williams as one of my cells, but I thought that was just a little bit too easy. You know, obviously, if you're buying DeAndre Swift, you're not going to want to buy, you know, or hold on to Jamal Williams. I, I think that. DeAndre Swift is going to take over this backfield again, like he had in the first week where we saw his upside, you know, 175 total yards was it? I think something like that in two touchdowns. So I'm buying DeAndre Swift, uh, even though things look bleak right now. Yeah. I mean, that's part of the reason, right? Like his value is really low right now and it's looking discouraging. You know, it's going to only go up from here and he's going to potentially hit that elite ceiling that we know he has. Then it's worth buying, you know, at his lowest price, which is right now. Um, yeah. Jamal Williams, you mentioned him, right? Like, I'm I'm fine selling him, right? Like, I think you can. Another two-touchdown performance, right? Like, even when Swift is out, his role doesn't change too much. And when Swift plays, like, you're not going to feel so comfortable playing him, right? Like, there's going to be a lot of times where he's going to score two touchdowns, but it's going to be on your bench, right? Because his touchdown yeah. are bust with him, right? So, you know, most times he's probably going to be on your bench just because, like, you have other studs at running back. Like, are you really going to bench Jonathan, even though Jonathan Taylor is, like, off, right this season yeah. are you going to bench Jonathan Taylor for Jamal Williams probably not right like most no. of the time you're not going to do that so like you know unless you're like going strictly by the numbers and you're like well whatever I'm going to start him because he's been getting me fantasy points it makes sense but you probably won't end up doing that so at the end of the day he's somebody that you could potentially sell uh in a package as like that second like that 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 side piece right yeah um <laughs> very strong side in, in, instead of saying of like side instead of saying like side piece and like main meal like we should call it side piece and like uh and girlfriend or something like that. Like side he's, piece he's and like main hoe. Main hoe. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. Side. <laughs> Jamal Williams is not the main hoe here. He's yeah. the side piece. So you combine the side piece with a main hoe and you go get yourself a, another main hoe. A wife. That's that's a wife. <laughs> a wife. <laughs> go get yourself a wife man that's yeah. a good trade man a good trade man like if you can if you can if you can trade your main <laughs> hoe for a wife that's a good trade yeah you know what i'm saying so you know I, you're making I, money I like that, that way yeah. i like that a lot <laughs> oh 100 man oh my goodness um mother's day is around the corner find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from blue nile from timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Okay, let's see. So I had another, who else did I have here? Oh, a guy I wanted to sell. Deontay Foreman. Okay. Yeah. Deontay Foreman, you know, listen, I, I, I get it. Like he had a huge week and everyone's very excited about Deontay Foreman. If I had a if I had him, I'd be kind of excited. I'd be intrigued. But this is his ceiling, guys. Okay. This yeah. the, he just had a three touchdown game. He had a big game the week before, right? He's had a couple of monster games. Do we really think and I and like credit to the Panthers, they did a great job, right? Over the past two weeks. PJ Walker. You know, I, I love the story, right? Yeah. But do we really think the are the Panthers going to go undefeated for the rest of the year? Like, is that what's going to happen here, guys? Like, are they, did they suddenly become a good offense? No. Yeah. Okay. This is this happens all the time, right? A head coach gets fired, right? They get a little bit of juice, they get a little fire, 
the whole league is, you know, kind of like they're like the laughing stock of the whole league. And these players, they adjust and they come through, but it's not going to last forever. Right. Yeah. So I personally would not be looking at as at him as somebody who I'm going to be able to depend on for the rest of the year. Now, did he win the job in Carolina as the one a, I think so. I think he has. And I think, you know, with Chuba Hubbard potentially coming back this week, I think it's going to be a timeshare. Yeah. I do think that Deontay Foreman is going to be the primary back in that timeshare. However, are, are we going to say that this offense is bad or good or somewhere in between? It's going to be bad. <laughs> it's going to be bad. Okay. We we know what we saw over the past couple of weeks. Like, it's it, it was solid. Solid. But this is not what's going to happen every week, guys. Okay. So Deontay Foreman, you know, even though he's the 1A, even though you think you got some something on your bench, the way I look at it is like I still got something on my bench. I got a very valuable asset right now that I could use to is 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 Deontay Foreman a side hoe? Uh, is he a side piece or a main hoe? Yeah, right now. no side piece. He, right now. He's a side piece, right? So you combine yeah. Deontay Foreman as a side piece, you combine him with one of your main hoes, and then you go get yourself a wife. Yeah. Right. And that's that's how I would. <laughs> play this now this is this is it zach like it's over now like this is going to be our thing now forever yeah for every every buy trade discussion any trade you got the side hoe you got the you got you got the side piece and the main hoe Mm -hmm. okay anyway so so i i personally like when chupa harbor comes back he's going to be the primary passing uh pass catching back at the very least um they liked chupa harbor before he got hurt man and he was their 1a okay so i don't think he's just going to be thrown to the side i really don't i think he's going to be involved so uh, three touchdown performances aren't going to happen that much, especially on this offense. So if I could sell him now while his value is very, very high, where people mm-hmm. are actually thinking that he could be the RB, their RB2 for the rest of the season, like I would take advantage of that right now. Absolutely. Deontay Foreman, you know, he gifted you this, you know, sell window. Before last week, nobody would have said, even after, you know, both Deontay Foreman and Chuba Hubbard had a good week, Nobody would have said that, okay, these guys are going to be, you know, they have a chance to be RB2 the rest of the season. Now he goes out and he gets a hat trick, you know, 30-plus PPR points, you know, this week. And now we think that he could be, you know, the lead back in this offense. First of all, the offense is not going to put up 34 points, like you said. It's going to be a bad offense. And they're going to bring Chuba Hubbard back. And even though, you know, Chuba Hubbard is going to be back, it's going to be a timeshare, this three-touchdown performance lets you say, all right, well, it looks like Deontay Foreman is going to get the majority of the touches. And that's going to be like, okay, people are going to be able to sell that. It's going to require you to be a little bit manipulative at this point to sell Deontay Foreman to maximize his value. You know, you could sell him and say, okay, he's going to be, you know, he's a good running back, you know, on a relatively bad offense, you know, um, he'll be able to do his thing anyway. You know, he'll, he'll be, he'll be a solid RB three, you know, flex play for you. You could sell him like that, even though he did have a really good week. But if you want to be a little bit manipulative, you know, you could say, all right, he might get the majority of the carries, you know. Um, he might get the majority of the passing work, that kind of thing. Just try to spice it up just a little bit. You might be able to milk as much value as you can out of Deontay Foreman before, you know, he leaves your team. I, I think that you could, you know, add him as a side piece. He's a really juicy side piece, believe it or not, you know, to to, a, to any deal that you're trying to put together right now. Much, much more so than um, guys like, you know, Chase Edmonds. We talked about him maybe being a guy that might have right. a little bit more value at this point. You know, in a couple of weeks, I think that, you know, even Chase Edmonds might his value in a couple of weeks isn't going to add up to what Deontay Foreman offers right now as a side piece. Chase Edmonds is a side hoe. He's not even a side piece. Yeah. That's um, true. <laughs> all right. So you had another very interesting uh, sell. People might come at me for it, you know, and I was a little bit reluctant to even say it myself. I know I texted you before the podcast is like, you think I'm going to get flagged for this, but is it time to sell Damian Pierce? You know, I'm not saying that he didn't look good, but I'm just taking all things considered, you know, the ideas moving forward. And I know he's excellent. You know, PFF loves him. You know, he had the most broken tackles in that one game two weeks, two or three weeks ago. And he looked he looked really good. He's a young running back that looks like a star. But this is an offense that has scored just seven touchdowns in the last four weeks. And three of those touchdowns came against the Chargers four weeks ago. The past four, what's it called? Past three weeks, they scored four touchdowns. He was en route to a 6.8 PPR point fantasy performance last week before a complete garbage time touchdown. Complete. It was with 13 seconds on the clock. He scored a receiving touchdown. So not only was it a rushing touchdown, it was a receiving touchdown. Really pumped up his performance. Um, and he's got a tough up, upcoming schedule. You know, he's got Philly tomorrow night, and the Giants are on deck the next week. Washington is suddenly resurgent, and their front 
isn't any, anything to sneeze at. You know, I know Damian Pierce looks really good, but this Texas offense does not look good at all. And now there's even more trouble and drama going on with Brandon Cooks. He put out that cryptic tweet. The passing offense hasn't been there. They're going to be in negative game scripts almost every single week. I don't see how, you know, Damian Pierce is going to be able to maintain a solid workload these next four weeks or, you know, beyond. I think if you're trying to make a playoff push, you might be kind of screwed if you try to hang on to Damian Pierce here in the negative game script these next three weeks. That's what I'm assuming will be the next three weeks. That will be negative game scripts. I think that Damian Pierce looks really good. He is a very good running back. But, you know, if you're playing the end game and you're trying to get to the playoffs to make this push, he might be expendable for you. Zach. Zach, I'm yes. buying Damian Pierce. I'm buying yep. him. Right. I'm not just I'm not just not selling him. I'm buying him. I feel like this is a little bit of an opportunity here. Okay, we had a little right. bit of opportunity over the past two weeks. You know, he still had two very good, you know, from a fantasy box score perspective, right? 14 PPR points, 15.7 PPR points over the last two weeks. You know, not great. Okay, in terms of like last week, 15 for 35. Tennessee was a tough matchup. We knew that coming in, okay? The difference from last week, here's what happened. After the bye in week, what, what week was last week? Week eight? Six. They had a bye week in week six. six. Bye. Yeah. Yep, week six. They came back after the bye. The passing game work, the two-minute offense, went to Dari Ogunbawale in week seven. In week eight, guess who it went to? Damian Pierce. Dun, dun, dun. So You're hyping up the guy that put up 14 offense. fantasy points. <laughs> yes that guy <laughs> so he this is the first this is the first game of the entire season this past week where he got the two-minute offense the entire all, all all of those snaps and that's huge but what that means is that he's never down back if it continues right like this is one this is a one game sample size but the fact that they took that job away from rex burkhead last week and I mean, week seven and then they shifted that work over to damian pierce the week after tells me that like it's not Rex Burkhead's job anymore at least right so this is a situation where I'm like okay like uh you know the Philly game before Thursday it's a tough matchup on paper by him before then and I'm not saying that because I want to have a running back against the bad team but because people are more willing to trade you a running back if they have a tough matchup coming up on top of that it's a Thursday night game on top of that everyone assumes and I, I probably assume this too that the Eagles are going to destroy the Texans on Thursday night right yeah. um but hey if he has the two-minute offense if he has the passing down work if he's on the field on third downs when they're passing the ball and he's running the routes he might get some extra targets even against Philly so I'll be okay with it he might have a decent floor a higher floor than we think he does you know I don't think it's going to be very often where he's going to average 2.33 yards a carry right since week one 4.6 yards a carry, 4 yards a carry, 10 yards a carry, 4 yards a carry, 4.6 yards a carry. So I think he'll be all right for the most part. You know, we mentioned the, you know, the schedule to Philly next week. Giants the following week. That's a good matchup for him. Washington the following week after that, you know, not as good. But overall, like, I think the Texans can potentially, like, at least move the ball a little bit against Washington. Um, you know, Miami, similar thing where I feel like Miami will go up. So this is a situation where, yes, the Texans offense is bad. However, if he's going to get that passing down work, if he's going to get the two-minute work, his value just went up. Does that make sense? Yeah, I hear you. And you have valid points. I think my points are pretty valid too. And the way I I'm looking so. at the way I'm looking at it is I'm looking at more, you know, it's not so much in a vacuum, just looking at the matchups. I'm looking at it, your team moving forward. If you're like me in one of my leagues, I'm three and five. I have Damian Pierce. I might be looking to sell him because, like I said, these next few games are games you're going to need to win. And this stretch run. That's going to be it's going to be tough for Damian Pierce, I think. Even though you said he does have a nice floor, mm -hmm. maybe if he gets that two minute work, it's the first week that it happens. So I want to see if that sticks. But I'm yeah. happier, you know, selling his value is still high right now. If he didn't score that touchdown last week, it would be a little bit lower. But he's kind of masking the fact that you know Texas offense is really bad by producing still despite that in fantasy. So his, yeah. his value is still very high. You know, you could you don't want to call. I don't think he's an RB one, but you know, I think he's a solid RB two. And that you could get really good return for him if you pair him with somebody like um, a Tyler Boyd. You could go get yourself a nice starting running back. I, I think a low-end RB1. Maybe a guy like Leonard Fournette even at this point. And I, I know I'm higher on Leonard Fournette than maybe you are. But um, 
I, yeah. I, I'd be looking at that type of deal. Guess who I'm trading Leonard Fournette for? Damian. I'm Pierce. trading Leonard Fournette one for one for da- with Damian Pierce. Really? I'm buying. Okay. Yeah. That that's I'm interesting. Buying, I'm buying Damian Pierce one for one with Leonard Fournette. We're polar opposites. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. This, yep. this is exactly what we're looking for. Um, so uh, let's see. Let's see. I, I I didn't have like anybody else that you know I you know this episode was really just about the trades, but a couple of guys that you might want to consider buying. Okay. Uh, Travis Etienne, you know, obviously, you know, it's his backfield. It might on paper on, on some of the surface, maybe like, wait, what? Like, how can you buy him? It will not be a buy low. He only had I one big game. It, it won't be a buy low. It's a buy high. It's a buy high. It's not yeah. a buy low. It, it's a buy where like, just assume if you're buying that he's going to continue to have the games, the type of games that he had this past week, right? Where he only has like one 25 point game on his game log right now. Everything else is like under 20. But just going forward, just assume that you're going to see like 20, 23, 25, 28. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what it's going to be from now on. And he's going to be way, he's going to be impossible to buy, you know, in a couple of weeks. Uh, I don't think he's impossible to buy right now where you can, you know, buy him as a low end borderline RB1. Meanwhile, if this, if his usage continues, he's going to be a solid, you know, top seven running back for the rest of the season. Right. Yeah. Um, let's see. Jonathan Taylor. Listen, man, I want to get your thoughts on Jonathan Taylor real quick. Just just a quick thought on him. Um, obviously, you know, we need to figure out, like, you know, what his health is looking right, like, right? Are mm-hmm. you – and we talked about the trade, right? The, the trade – his trade value – I mean, I'm sorry. We talked about his trade, um, his role in the trade. His value went up, assuming he's healthy. Right. Like, people don't want anything to do with Jonathan Taylor right now. Like, I think that's the sentiment for the most yeah. part. So are you taking advantage of that just like how you're taking advantage of it with DeAndre Swift? Yep, 100%. And I've talked about a couple times on the podcast already with Jonathan Taylor. I'm not betting against him. I think he's going to get it right. He just has to get healthy. And I know we've been saying that for a couple weeks. You know, he missed time, and he's kind of left you out to dry if you drafted him, especially, you know, if you're looking back and you're looking at – you took Jonathan Taylor over Christian McCaffrey, you know, things are looking bad. But I think Jonathan Taylor can get back to being Jonathan Taylor, especially now with Naeem Hines out of the picture. Like I said, if any of that receiving work goes to Jonathan Taylor, it's only going to help solidify his floor. So I think that it should things should get back to normal with Jonathan Taylor. He should be back to, you know, finishing inside the top 10 pretty safely um, these next few weeks. Just got to have him get healthy. And at this point, it doesn't look like the Colts are going to make the playoffs, but they're going to be contending in the games. They're going to be competitive, at least in games. So I think that, you know, he's set up to succeed. I, I think even though things look bad right now, you know, you could take advantage of that, get, get him at a relatively low price. He might not be. The 53-point performance, Jonathan Taylor, of last season. But I think he can get back to being a really nice contributor for your team. A, a low-end RB1 at worst, I think, is what um, I have in the cards if things go okay. how they should with his health. Yep. He's not practicing today. Okay. Right. Uh, so pick up Deion Jackson. If Deion Jackson – it's only Wednesday. Okay. It's possible that he ends up, you know, practicing on Thursday, practicing on Friday. He plays. But just in case, I pick up Deion Jackson. We know what kind of big game he put up previously. It was a lot of it was because of the receiving game, obviously. And we don't yeah. know, and we, we we don't know if you know he's going to get targeted the same way, you know, without Matt Ryan. However, it's worth picking him up and playing him if Jonathan Taylor misses this week, because he probably will get an every down roll. Yeah. <laughs> you know, especially without <laughs> Naheem Hines as well. Yeah. We kind of saw that, you know, uh, before this season, right? All right, let's see. Anybody else? Um, you know, Amara St. Brown, still very viable. We talked about him multiple times over the past couple of weeks. You know, he had a, a you know, very high target share in this game. You know, relatively low depth of target. He, he didn't, you know, go crazy in this game. He didn't score a touchdown. So you still have a chance to buy him. You still have a, a top six, seven, eight, you know, fantasy wide receiver one. Okay, just do it yeah. if you can. All right, one guy. You had you had one more yeah. buy or sell. Who'd you have? A buy, and I'm talking oh, about T. Sorry. Higgins. Now, T. Higgins. Ooh. I think you look at it. Yeah, I think this is a pretty easy buy. You know, in, in my book, I was looking through, you know, just players overall, how they're doing, and trying to decide who I was going to say buy sell. This looks like an easy buy. The game log these past three weeks is working completely in your favor because he hasn't topped uh, 15 points in a game yet, but he also hasn't gone below 10 points. He's been consistently middling as a receiver and that's not what you'd expect with jamar chase out we've seen him do his thing without jamar chase um i I think that t higgins you know it was an uncharacteristic bad performance against performance against cleveland and he still came out you know with a respectable fantasy showing uh 
if you had T. Higgins, he has missed some time this season too. So he's been on and off for you. The inconsistency has been there. Um, I think the buy window is wide open, especially with Jamar Chase still slated to miss some time. Um, he has an excellent four-week stretch coming up with games against Carolina, Pittsburgh, Tennessee, and Kansas City. You know, a bunch of easy defensive games and a bunch of shootouts. You know, Kansas City and Tennessee might be a good one. Um, majority of those will be without chasing lineup. They do have a buy mixed in there after the Carolina game in week 10. Um, we're not exactly sure how long Chase is going to be out, but you can use that, you know, mystery against you. Here, T. Higgins might be against the guy that has him. You know, here, T. Higgins might have um, like four or five games yet on the schedule with Jamar Chase out of the lineup. It's only going to be good news for him. Just capitalize on that pessimism surrounding their offense. Um, I'm not sure what kind of what kind of deal I would make for it, but you know, if I have DK Metcalf maybe and I want to upgrade, I, I would maybe shoot for T. Higgins because we've seen Joe Burrow. He cooled off after two straight really good weeks, but I think they could get back to that. They've been you know a bit bipolar this this season on offense uh the Bengals have so we'll see if that continues to be the trend but those games where they have where the Bengals offense looks right you know the upside for these guys is through the roof Cleveland was a tough matchup to be honest with you and you know you know the hopes were were there but like if he didn't have a good game on Monday night I wasn't going to be surprised and the fact that he didn't have an amazing game I wasn't surprised to be honest with you because it was a tough matchup and you know Cleveland you know is, is nothing to sneeze at especially on the perimeter right they've been doing a good job um against perimeter wide receivers and and against the slot too so neither of these guys were able to have a huge game uh they have Carolina this week which is a much better matchup they go into a bye they have Pittsburgh very good matchup Tennessee very good matchup Kansas City very good matchup so you know like if 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 Jamar Chase is going to be out for the next several weeks I think Higgins can come through for you pretty nicely. So yeah. I, I think that I think that's a good call. I think we're going to end it here. Uh, that was a great episode, Zach. Um, yeah. Thanks to everybody who listened. Appreciate you guys. Um, I hope this helps kind of break down all the trades, and you know, hopefully, you'll be able to make some uh, make some moves. Uh, you know, this week, bef- you know, before you go into week nine officially tomorrow. Tomorrow, we're going to be back with our quarterback and running back rankings. We're going to preview Thursday night football as well. All right. Take it easy, guys. See you later. Peace.